Hello and welcome to episode seven of the Russian and Ranting podcast. I'm Ollie and I'm joined by Joseph, Scott and Alex. It's great to have you on, gentlemen. How are you all doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. How are you, Joseph? Yeah, good, thanks, Ollie. Great to see you all, as always, and looking forward to us. Should be a really good one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it myself. How are you, Alex? Are you okay, mate? Yeah, not too bad. Thanks. I was on the bench for the last episode. I was missing, but I'm I'm back today and and looking forward to today's podcast. But I just want to say a big well done on the on the last one with Roger Knight. Um, I thought it was excellent, really. And perhaps some people might have seen that we had a, a vicar or a chaplain on the podcast and might have dismissed it. But actually, it was fascinating, and I had no idea he was so involved in the old club and as a fan of the old club. In really interested to hear some of the some of the stories. And uh, yeah, just want to say well done on that one. I'm, glad, I'm really glad to hear that you're all well and uh, totally agree with you, Alex. I thought that last uh, episode was, was really insightful. So if people haven't had the chance to check it out yet, definitely check it out on your favourite um, podcast listening platforms. Um, we'll start off with some club news since the last episode. So um, firstly, it was confirmed on May the 18th that Diamond will continue in the Southern League Premier Central Division for the 2021-22 season that commences on Saturday, Saturday the 14th of August. Um, initially, there were no changes to the sides in the league from the last campaign, but since then, Kings Langley have been moved into the Southern Premier Division South, meaning that there'll be 21 sides in our league next season. Alex, what do you uh, what do you think about it all? Well, I don't think we're going to lose any sleep necessarily over the fact that Kings Langley have left. Sorry for any Kings Langley fans that might happen to be listening to this. I think the, the main concern, possibly from the club's point of view, is that they've lost the game. But I think from from my perspective, um, I'm just looking forward to getting the football back full stop, really. And the fact that we've got 21 teams rather than 22 is not, not a major issue from my point of view. So before the league campaign kicks off, we'll have a range of pre-season fixtures to look forward to and which were recently announced. So on top of the Harry Robinson trophy fixtures that we discussed before, uh, which are away at Ainsbury on Sunday the 4th of July, away at Kempston Rovers on Tuesday the 6th and at home to Cambridge City on Saturday the 10th with the finals day taking place on Saturday the 17th. Um, the following matches have also been announced for Diamond's pre-season calendar. So we've got uh, Stamford AFC away on Tuesday the 13th of July. Uh, we're at home to a Northampton Town 11 on Wednesday the 21st of July. Um, we're at home to Russian and Higham on Saturday the 24th of July in the Chris Ruff Cup. Away to Dunstable Town on Tuesday the 27th of July. Home to Daventry Town on Saturday the 31st of July. Away to Barton Rovers on Tuesday the 3rd of August. And then concluding pre-season with an away trip to Tame United on Saturday the 7th of August. So make sure to keep a check on the club's website and social media pages for any further information on these matches. Uh, Joseph, there seems to be a good range of opponents and challenges here in our preparation for the new campaign. What are your thoughts on it? Well, I think one of the struggles of having no football has been that feeling of, you know, not knowing when it's coming back. And now that we've got some dates to look forward to, I think that's really lifted the spirit amongst the fan base. You know, Scott and I were at the uh, under-18s Jamin Shield final not so long ago. And if that turn if the turnout that night is anything to go by, then it really bodes well for when the first team returns. Um, we've got 11 games in total, um, but I think that's a really good thing. You know, we haven't had any games for eight months now. The players need to rebuild their fitness, their sharpness, and you need to get back to... You, you know, get used to playing with each other again. We had nine games last preseason, which provided us with a range of different tests and they prepared us for what was a really tough opening day at Nuneaton, uh, where we had to really dig in and get a result. What I would also add is that the players need to get that competitive mentality back. You know, we've seen with the amount of trialists um, that get used at this level um, that there's going to be competitions for places um, going into the season. So it's good to have them, the club securing so many games, giving the players plenty of time to prove themselves and it gives Pixie and his staff plenty of time 
to make their decisions. So I'm really excited by the fixture news, really excited to get him back to Diamonds. Uh, but I'm absolutely buzzing to see all the supporters again. You know, we're very lucky to have such a brilliant fan base and I'm sure they'll bring the noise and the support everywhere we go. So, yeah, can't wait. Really looking forward to it. Yeah, very much so. Finally, just a reminder that new and renewal uh, club memberships for 2021-2022 are now available. Uh, the current 2020-21 memberships will expire on the 30th of June. And I can't stress enough the vast range of benefits associated with being a member and having a say in the club. Scott, can you give some further information as to why it's so important? Yeah, it's very important because obviously we need members to um, engage with the with the club to be able to um, so we can consult them on various issues and also take any ideas which they might have and possibly turn them into a reality, like this podcast, for example. Um, and also we're going to have elections coming up, so it's really important, obviously, people engage with that so we have a, a proper democratic um, debate and something which is constructive um, so we know where we are as a board um, going forward. Um, anyway, if anybody's not really sure about some of the benefits for membership, I've already touched on one. Um, voting rights for board elections, kit votes and other decisions that affect the club. Access to the private members area and online forum. Um, if you haven't been on there, I'd recommend you check it out. Um, it also includes um, board meeting um, summaries as well um, for the various board meetings so you can see what the board are doing month on month. Um, it's usually about a month behind from memory. Um, but that's definitely worth checking out and asking questions on so we know we're in the right direction. 10% uh, off in the club shop. Um, that's been the case for a long, long time. Obviously, once we get back to football, people can start using that. Uh, £5 discount on away travel. Hopefully, we, we get some games and we can start having some coaches when it's all safe. So that's another one to look forward to. And then discounted tickets for club events, such as, um, for example, the recent Legends evening with Justin Jackson and um, I think Dwayne Darby from Let Me But. Um, so if, how do you want to renew? Um, you need to renew through, you can renew online through the club shop online, which is afcdiamondshop.com forward slash membership.asp, or by downloading the membership um, form and returning it to the club in the post. Thanks for that, Scott. That's perfect. So uh, on to the podcast for this latest episode, we'll be joined by the manager and one of the coaches at the Diamond under-21 under side, Richard Maxwell. And um, he'll be talking about his first steps into football and coaching, how he first became involved with Rushton, uh, the aims, progress and development of the side in recent years, uh, the recommencing of their recent friendly matches, uh, the under-21's hopes for the future and the importance of our range of academy teams and opportunities throughout the club. We're really looking forward to hearing from somebody who's been involved with Rushton for a number of years. And I think it's a perfect opportunity to focus on one of the many sides, aside from the first team, that helped to make Diamonds uh, the community club that we are. So without further ado, on with the podcast. Welcome to the Russian and Ranting podcast, Richard. It's a real pleasure to have you on. Uh, I'll kick things off by asking um, how you've been over the last year and a bit during the pandemic and through the multiple lockdowns and kind of what you've learned from it all. Yeah, well, it's great to be on. Uh, it's a great podcast series you've been having. So uh, really, really good to be on with you guys. Um, lockdown, well, it's been uh, it's been okay. Uh, it's been difficult with getting the, the guys 
engaged, you know, over three different restarts. But we've actually got ourselves in the 21s, probably about 20 games this season, whereas most of us only had seven. So we work really hard uh, to get, pre, you know, post-season friendlies or inter-season friendlies. And whenever we could is get the guys training. So we've had a reasonable kind of season, if I'm in, in reflection, as to, you know, what others have done or what the, the environment was around us. We've actually maximized what we could do. Uh, and done quite successfully with that, I think. So it's been okay, but it's been certainly tough, hard work, lots of admin, and obviously lots of health and safety around that. So, yeah. Yeah, sounds promising, though, in terms of the amount of games that you have had, like you say, to, to keep that development of the under-21s going, which I think is really good. Um, just to kind of take you back to the to the start in many ways, what's the, um, the first football in memory that, that you have where you kind of part of a sporty family growing up oh gosh uh yeah no i used to play i used to play football down the park till the cows come home um now this is going to be a bad moment my first game i was taken to ketrin town and uh watching the game at their old ground but do you know what my memory is of that i remember looking at the clouds so the game couldn't have been that good <laughs> says it all what team did you um, support when you was when you was younger? Don't say Ketrin Town, please. Gosh, no, I can't say that, can I? No, I, I didn't. No, um, Liverpool supporter. I didn't actually support a team. Uh, I was just really good at football um, back in those days. And people said, well, who do you support? And I was like, I don't really support anybody. And they were, well, you got to support Liverpool. They're the best team. All right, I support Liverpool. And it sticks with you. That one decision in the playground back when you're like seven years old sticks with you for the next 47 years. Richard, what position did you play when you were when you were playing? Um, I was always more midfield defensively minded. Uh, if honestly, mm -hmm. I loved reading the game and getting a good tackling, um, and then being able to be creative. So, yeah, my time down at High and Rec playing for the local juniors team and everything else. Yeah, but it, it, over over time, pretty much played several different positions, including in goal, uh, but never a striker. Couldn't hit a barn door. <laughs> Good at stopping goals, but maybe not scoring them as much. Um, what were, your, um, what were your, your, your first steps kind of into coaching and how did you find that? Um, yeah, it was okay. I, I was always interested in coaching, always interested in the tactical side, um, always analysing how to, to do the tactical side, even when I was playing the game. So... Um, transition from my local side when I was uh, probably 31, 32, I became player manager uh, and still played, but I actually took myself on the bench as player and just developed it from that point of view and, and kind of came late to the coaching badges, if honest with you. I didn't really have that much guidance. But then when I found the coaching badges, it was just like, yeah, wow, brilliant, fantastic. Made loads of similar coaching friends went on the coaching journey together and really accelerated my knowledge and experience uh you know multiple fold yeah that sounds fantastic and really promising what, what did you kind of learn when you was first starting out coaching and what would you say was the most important bit of advice you got when you were starting out on your coaching journey that kind of helped you throughout your career so far um i would say don't be afraid to fail but also plan ahead plan it um, 
and then assess it afterwards as to what worked, what didn't, how you'd improve it, and just be really honest with your own coaching and reflect on that the day after and then stick with the same kind of phase of play that you're doing. Don't keep chopping and changing until you actually nail it. And it will be ugly for the players too because they won't know the exercise. It'll be brand new to them. It's brand new to you, but you've got to try and make it work. With the kind of the UEFA B, it gives you so much more ability to try new things, but also quickly read how and why it's not working and to be able to adapt the session to make it work really quickly and focus on the outcomes you want. And yeah, it, it's wonderful having that experience. Richard, you touched on um, the coaching qualifications that you went on to do. Um, what was it that you learned in particular for those? And was there anything that you, you did on those courses that sort of made you think, well, you know, I haven't really thought of it in this way before? Uh, I've learned so much, uh, Josh, so, so, so much on each course, not just from the course content, not just from the tutors, but also from the other coaches that are on the course as well, because they bring their experience and, you know, you learn from them what worked well, what didn't work, their stories. Um, I, I would almost put it down to like the level one coaching is like your GCSE kind of standard qualification the level two is your technical detail and gets you to be a really proficient coach and being able to do all the technical stuff that you need um and that's kind of your a levels the ua for b just gives you the whole holistic coaching around it as well and the phases and that's kind of your degree level and i felt i was doing my degree all over again like 30 years ago it was really tough but it was very, very rewarding and we learned so much from it. I was going to ask Richard, kind of, how much did your coaching style and philosophy change as a result of doing uh, this qualification and everything you learned through that? The, 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 the way UEFA B is the top coaching uh, licence and uh, the UEFA A is very much about uh, coaching coaches, whereas the UEFA B is about coaching players and it's a top player coaching award. It, it kind of gets you to recognise what your philosophy is and who you are and really define it as to how you feel about the game and how you want to play the game. But then it also helps you work out within different environments and different cultures with different players. And if you've got limitations, how you adapt that, but keep to your principles and actually move that forward. So it doesn't really change you per se. It kind of enlightens you as to who you are, but also adds extra detail and dimensions on that you never thought about. Richard, when you're coaching at the uh, the group that you are, do, do you put much emphasis on winning or is it is it solely about, you know, development? Because obviously it's important for the mentality and the mindset of those players to to win football matches. And of course, for yourself to see the work you do in training, manifesting the game. But of course, you know, these are young players you're working with, players that are learning their trade with the ambition of getting into first team football one day. How, how do you see that? Oh, that's a really good question, Josh. Um, the way I, I, I tell the players is I, I want to do both. Okay. Um, if I've managed to win the middle league, you know, under 21 division, but got none of them into first team football at the end of the season, then I failed. Okay. It means nothing. However, if I've lost every single game of the season, but I've managed to get a couple in, well, okay, I might have won, but it doesn't feel like winning. It, it's almost a blend of the two. And it's a real balancing act because 
victories brings a bit of enhancement to the brand. Like the 21s had a very successful this season and therefore people are looking at them, which is brilliant for their brand as well. But I don't mind losing because you actually learn far more from losing, particularly in the 21s culture where they're really happy to do that. They're pushed to the point of failure and then they've got to grow to actually meet that challenge. They are going to fail. They are going to stumble. But that doesn't matter. It's about what they do after that. And this year, they've really shown that where they have failed, they've learned, and then they've come back. Um, particularly one scenario later on, because after the coaching, they've got used to the process. They understand what they need to do. Bedworth United away was a really tough game. They they were one nil up at half time, but we did the review at half time and. The guys changed it themselves as to what they were going to be doing. With a little tweak from me, they worked out, yes, we can do this at halftime. So instead of waiting to the end of the game and doing two training sessions and working out for next week, they managed to do it at halftime at Bedworth. And we went out and we went, went and beat them 3-2, which is fantastic. So it's a mix of the two. It's a real fine balance between the two. When and why did you uh, first get involved with the Diamonds, Richard? Oh, gosh. Now you're asking. Taking you back, maybe. So, this is taking me back to the old diamonds down <laughs> at Den Park. This is. Um, I think it was uh, AD Man, a striker. Um, I don't know the year. It's back when it was um, Nem Park with one side to the ground and AD Man was dancing around. I think we were in the Southern Midland League. And that's when it was. That's the local team. That's my team. I think that's like 1993 from memory because um, when I started going, it was a three-sided ground. So it's definitely got to be before my time. And I was 95. Yeah, well, it's before my memory, Scott. So yeah, absolutely. I'll take that 1993. How did your uh, involvement kind of grow from there, Richard, with the club? Obviously moving into the new club as well. Yeah, very much so. Um, going down there quite regularly as a fan. And then when I got into coaching, it was... Um, very much just, you know, getting in involved in the grassroots. And then an opportunity came up to get involved uh, and assist at the 21s with Martian, uh, Kilmar. It was, I think, about five years ago. So, yeah, jumped at the chance uh, to come on board. Diamonds, yes, you know, it's, it's my team as well. Fantastic. It could have been any role, but it just happened to be that role. And then just got more and more involved. Uh, both on the grounds work as well as on the coaching as well as on the team and now a board member as well. Um, it was never planned. It's all by osmosis, but uh, passionate about the club. Was that when there was a there was a change or something where it became like um, on the 21s elites or something? Because there was like a reorganisation, wasn't there, or something around that time? Yes. Um, there's been a few disguises of it. Um, that's when um, Howard Wilmot, uh, UA4A licence, came on board. Uh, after Martian, uh, and they changed it to Elite. Uh, they created the 18s outside the structure as well. So um, everybody's trying to find, uh, solve the Rubik's Cube, as I say, of the kind of senior level of youth football, the elite phase of football, 17 to 21, is the FA elite phase. And that's a very, very difficult age group. Um, coaches sometimes mend to watch the age group they got and you've got to have real good experience of being able to get the best out of that age group and understanding the social pressures around that later age group and what they're doing themselves you almost become almost like a social worker as well at that age group because they're leaving home 
they're getting a job, going into further education, um, they're learning to drive, they're getting their car insurance. It's loads of girlfriends out there and everything else going on. It's just an absolute hotbed of things and they turn up and they're not feeling the greatest and there's lots of things going on in their lives. If you think back to when we were, you know, 19, 20, uh, which is a long time for me, it was, you know, 100 miles an hour, wasn't it? So there's lots going on. So it's a really difficult age group and uh, the club have tried to say, you know, mould different things around it. Richard, you touched on um, the personal aspects uh, away from the football pitch for players to deal with. How do you manage that as a coach? Again, it's almost uh, a bit of experience because professionally I'm also a manager as well in my professional capacity. Um, But also the UEFA B licence particularly gives you a lot of that because they do four corner now. It's not just focused on the technical or the tactical. They actually focus on the psychological aspects of sport um, as well. And, and how to excel at sport, and that's called a green box. But they also equally, and they focus on these boxes in equal context, they also focus on the social side, because the social side impacts how they turn up to train, how they turn up to game, whether they're being having a bad day at school or they've got loads of pressures or home life or something's happened. You know, you've got to be able to handle that and work that out, but you've got to have a culture built within the team where you can share or actually have that understanding or give them the space or you can actually just take them aside and just have a quick chat and just try and work things through but you just got to give them a safe space at football where it's actually yeah I can leave the outside world a little bit have my little bubble put my football boots on enjoy myself but it's not just to ignore it it's to give them that safe space but also to support them afterwards. So when the um, the 21s became the elite team um, when you formed um, part of a management team with Howard Wilmot, like you mentioned. What, what were the initial aims for the side and how much interest were there was there at the um, first set of open trials? Good question. So we, the, the reset to the elite squad with Howard was to make it really young at that point. So most of the squad were actually 17s. Um, there weren't really 21s. Um, it was a basis of a of squad coming through. And that was a long-term project which some of it is now bearing fruit with some of the players we've still got from that age group. Um, so, yeah, it, it was a, a, a rebrand of that to give it a new brand, to give it the way uh, Howard wanted to drive it from, which was from his UA Freelance as, as a, an excellent kind of philosophy of what he was trying to do. Can you kind of give us an overview, Richard, of how the, the side has, has developed, grown and performed since then? What, what have been like the biggest success stories over that time yeah so it's kind of a, a new phase now after the elites to what we are now so there's two kind of different phases so the elite phase was really tough it's a very young squad um and you're playing against the 21s and everything but that was uh, a really good kind of basis uh, and some of the groundwork was put in there and a real good structure about how the philosophy was going to work um, and how we excelled and, and kind of moved it towards a professional standard. Um, after that, we were, you know, a couple of years ago, we managed to, or, or last year, we managed to then refresh it into um, having all of the the uh, pillars, I should say, to really make this really effective, where we the aim is to attract and retain the best local talent. So we are the only club in Northampshire with a 21 squad. Um and 
we're looking to put in place where it's going to attract players rather than they they move towards getting 10 20 pounds or go to ucl where potentially the coaching is not going to be as effective is keeping that real good talent that we have the youngsters and real coach them and see how far they can really go and with that we've managed to really attract some some great talent last year we did some open trials it was with covid as well and we got 85 players in as we kind of reset it to this so we then managed to bring in those players and really feed it through and the and the and the snowball effect of some of those players and some of the results and and some of the players going up and out has really moved it forward on the recruitment front um and this year we've managed to then step it up even further as we start to progress and we've now managed to hook into the professional academies um and get the players who are not being offered to progress at the professional academies and getting them to come in. Uh, we've had several trialists uh, from that, and we're now taking people out of Peterborough United, MK Dons, Leicester City Football Club, Coventry City and Derby County, and over in, in Dublin as well from Sherbourne um, and Shamrock Rovers. So it, it's starting to snowball, and the quality of the youngsters we're now getting in, who are local to us in the vicinity, is we start to come bring those in and actually start to work on them um, and bring them into the 21s. Are the twenty uh, one self funded, or, or does the club as a as a whole fund them? So the academy as a whole funds the whole academy and never takes any money from the club. Um, and so we blend the academy, produce the most effective uh, structure to attract the best talent. So we start to taper off the fees after sixteen because of what I've said earlier around the social pressures as players can, you know, they leave home, they've got education, they're learning to drive, they're going out, they've got girlfriends, there's so many other demands and everything else. And their parents will start to stop funding their football activity. Whereas when they're in the academy, it's the parents that are driving it. Um, and so we're still able to provide and deliver that professional academy. Um, uh, but we were able to blend it down with the use of the academy. So the academy is utterly self-funding um, and we're able to therefore give the model and attract and retain the best local talent. Uh, what league is it that the under-21s play in at the moment? Yes, yeah, so we play in the Midland Football League under-21 division. Uh, it's the east side of that division. There's actually 36 teams at the under-21 level. Um, and they range from step two clubs 
uh, step three clubs downwards. You've also got some key educations in there, Loughborough University um, as well. And we used to have Milton Keynes College in there. Um, so we've actually got uh, seven of the teams in our uh, Southern League Premier Central Division actually have the 21s uh, in that league. So it's a real good, tough competition. Uh, it's very good for youth development. Um, we're also in the, the local county cup here as well. Uh, and we get quite a few friendlies with step five and step six first teams as well. So it gives that blend of technical, tactical challenge at that youth development and challenging them, but also the, the men's teams as well from a physicality uh, and getting close to the first team. Are you allowed to use any overage players? And do you, if you do, do you make use of that? We, we can, uh, and we have done in the past. Um, you, so you can play uh, three overage players on the pitch at any one time. So it doesn't limit you to how many you can have registered. Um, we have had uh, the odd first team player come down uh, from fitness wise. Um, Tom Lorraine came down one time just as he was returned from injury and you can give him game time. It's a, a good technical challenge and give him that fitness to get back. Um, so yes, you can. Uh, some of the, the lower uh, teams do leverage that quite a lot, which is fine. It gives us a different challenge. Um, so yeah, you can play the overage. Are you expecting to lose quite a lot of players this summer on the basis that you can only play three? Um, I'm guessing some of your guys might have been 21 or whatever. Are they likely to move on at this point? That's a really good question. So mentioned slightly earlier that the average age uh, at the start of the season was 19.1. So it's quite a young squad. Um, some of the players are actually under 17s. So it's about uh, ability as well as you know development space. There are a couple at the, the top end as I call it, at 21, so there's probably about two or three who will be leaving us uh, just because of the kind of men's football is now the next stage in their careers. So, um, yeah. I remember in, in years gone by that um, various semi-professional clubs have, have entered kind of their reserve teams or, or kind of under-21 teams into the UCL. I know St Neats did it a few years ago. Is that something that's ever been explored by you or the club or do you think you'd be better served in the league that you're currently in anyway really good question um we we've had quite a lot of in-depth discussion and review uh, and rightly so about what the appropriate league is and at what standard um if we if we potentially had our own ground that would give us more capability because we're limited as a ground share we can't get another step six ground uh, for everything else but if you do enter into step six um, I think like Brackley they've had Brackley Saints so yeah. you've actually got to form a whole new club and infrastructure a new chairman a new finance director and a whole new accounts to enter a club into step six um, so then we've looked at what Kempston Rovers did in UCL reserves and we've looked at Northampton Combination Prem as a potential option but then just it's just not going to be providing the players with the the step up because if you think about Northampton's combination prem being step seven to going up to step three it's four steps that you're looking them to go um the under 21s like i mentioned have got seven um teams in our first team division in there there's also gloucester city and kidderminster harriers have their 21s in there um 
So it is a, a very, very good standard. It provides the development we need. We also get the friendlies against the men's first teams um, as well, uh, which gives that blended kind of view. Richard, could you give us a brief overview of the uh, under-21 season and uh, how the team got on in the Midland Football League campaign? Were there any results or performances that stood out in particular? Um, yeah, well, it, it's almost split into three parts, if uh, honest with you. We kind of started the pre-season over at uh, Wellingborough Whitworth Reserves, uh, which was a, a really good start. We, we won 5-1 there and kind of really set the bar as to where we were going to go. And went to the Kempston Rovers reserves and drew 2-2 and then hit Rawnstown first team and drew one all, uh, conceding in the last second, um, which really set us up for the season. Um, we went in, uh, we won our opening two uh, against Barwell as well. Uh, we lost a couple against Hever St. John and, and Bedworth United and we learnt loads from that as well. And then we really then started to motor as you as you're able to coach them, the players are getting to understand the phases of play, how the team works, how we can tweak things and knowing what your teammates are supposed to be doing and really getting up to speed. And then we hit Stony Gate line and won 7-0 and then we turned Stanford over for 4-0 and then we went into lockdown just as we're starting to really motor and get together, which was hugely frustrating. Um, and then the second part, we came back in December or end of November, December. Uh, I managed to get two uh, friendlies. First was uh, Northampton Silby Rangers first team who, who came to us on a Tuesday and we lost 3-4 to them in a, a real good competitive game. Um, and then that Saturday we took Buckingham Athletic first team and we actually beat them 4-3, uh, which is another really good team. Uh, Buckingham Athletic were fifth in the, the South Midlands uh, Step 5 division and, and Silby in the middle. So they were two good results and then we went into lockdown again just as you're starting to get everything back up to speed. Um, and then we come back end of uh, March uh, and April and May. Uh, the 21 league is suspended because they're, they're in step five and six, the Midland Football League. So they suspend it. So everything is then friendlies that you've got to organise yourselves. Um, and so uh, we went to Loughborough University 21s. They're a really good side. They get uh, professional dropouts from the under 18s. Uh, and run by a very, very good uh, group up there. Um, so we lost 2-5 to them. We matched them to 60 minutes, but they're pretty much full-time professionals. Uh, and we fell off a cliff and lost 2-5 uh, to them. But then we, we came, we beat Russian Heim United at Hayden Road 2-0, uh, which is a great result. We then, as I mentioned earlier, Bedworth United 3-2 uh, and changed that. Uh, we had a bit of a, a reverse at MK uh, and lost 1-2 to them. Uh, and then we brought Stanford to ours and beat them 8-0. Um, so that was uh, really, really good. And we're starting to motor now. And then uh, we had Pinchbeck, United first team, uh, step five now, UCL Prem. And we narrowly lost 2-3 to them. So some real good, strong first teams and results against them. Narrow losses or narrow wins. Um, but also some real good quality under 21s and showing the real quality we now have in the team. So it's been a really successful team. Um, we had, uh, like I said, uh, 20 games. Um, we, won, we won 10 of them and drew three. Uh, we scored 54 goals. So we scored two and a half goals a game, which is a, a real good kind of success of what we have there as a quality. Yeah, Richard, I was just going <clears> to 
which I was just going to say, actually, because obviously um, this year I've been going down and obviously seeing the under-21s down at Iceland, and it has been quite a young team, and it sort of seems to come together, as you said, as the season has gone on. Um, they seem to get that more, that understanding, playing with each, with each other. Um, would you say one of the crucial differences between sort of like the men's football and the under-21s is probably the um, difference in sort of like the physicality, because um, taking, that for example, Buckingham Athletic and Pinchbeck, um, both games or so, which the, the under twenty ones had to deal with certain more so in seeing the athlete in the Buckingham game when um initially they sort of struggled in the first part of the match, but eventually they got used to it and acclimatized and held their own and went on to win the match. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um it it is the physicality. So the the average age at the start of the season of the twenty ones was nineteen point three, I think it was, or nineteen point one. So it was a pretty much a first year under 21 squads, I call it, like an under 19 squad. Um, but I, I think with the number of games I got against senior men's team, um, the more you play against them, the more they actually have that exposure, the more they can adapt their game. And therefore, they become more proficient in the men's kind of football. But they still have the professional coaching and structure around that so they can get the feedback, the technical, tactical development work to actually be able to actually operate at that level. So it's been a real good mix this season and something we're looking to replicate next. You mentioned the uh, Pinchback uh, United um, friendly, Richard. What was it like to welcome back spectators for the first time in that game? Because it was played, I think it was in, in May, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, 22nd of May. It's the first time uh, with the uh, fans there. There quite a few turned up, actually, which uh, quite surprised me. It's kind of unique because you're kind of used to being on the field on yourself and a couple of dogs and a cow. Uh, to really have the fans there lining one side, it was really good. Um, and then when, you know, the decision goes against your way or the referee didn't see a foul before their goal, you know, you can hear the crowd shouting at the referee and you're thinking, actually, I don't have to do anything here. The crowd is making everything known kind of thing. So it was really good. And I think the players also responded to it as well. It is what football is. It's with the fans. Football without fans isn't football. So it's, it is really, really good to see them back and, and looking forward to seeing them back at Hayden Road and Islip soon as well. Yeah, very much so. I echo that 100%. Um, you touched on it briefly earlier, but what's the, what's the core of the squad been like over the last year? Because I've seen that the end-of-season awards have been announced recently. So, for example, defender Dan Bryan winning the Players' Player of the Season, um, midfielder Fraser Corden winning the Manager's Player of the Season, striker Dylan Sarace winning the top goal scorer for his 11 goals in 18 games, uh, Jack Kimber winning the Fans' Man of the Match award for the season as well. Um, obviously, terrific achievements for more, Richard. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and there's a couple more to come, uh, which is top goal creator, which would be Ben Morley, um, who's done uh, great uh, work there, 13 assists in 13 games, and also top defender there, Owen Morton, will be coming out as well on Saturday. So the awards say, you know, that that's wonderful achievements, and absolutely rightly so, uh, and different awards there. But it is very much a very much enlarged squad. Without the other players, there isn't that uh, way uh, of success. But they've all been successful in their own development. And we've done individual reviews and where they started at the start of the season, where they are now, they've all massively grown. And we, and we do have a basis of, in the team of a culture. If someone has the shirt, it's actually good competition because they're actually doing you a favour. 
because they're driving you to excel and they can't be as good as they are without you either and so we have that kind of philosophy and culture within the team so they drive each other to push each other to be even more successful so as well as those who have won the awards there are plenty who haven't got that a particular individual award who have excelled and will be close to the first team which is fantastic Richard, what would you say to somebody who maybe hasn't seen as much of the under-21s, but they would perhaps like to in the future, a productive season as a group, Ollie touched on some of the individuals that have picked up awards, and in general, the 21s seem to be making some really good strides forward. Yeah, really good question. Um, we play our home games at Islip, which is near Thrapston, so it's very local to us, uh, and there's generally 10.30 kickoffs in the morning. So you can probably do a double header of the, the 21s and then the first team um, if you have the time to do that. But the, the football at, yeah, the 20, at the 21s level is very uh, technical and tactical basis. Um, a lot more ball work, a lot more uh, playing the football through the thirds uh, and on the floor. And it's a very good technical and tactical challenge. So it's... Uh, yeah, it's, it's a really good culture to actually see the guys develop and you can see the next generation of what they're trying to do and achieve and hopefully you'll see them soon in the first team. What's your uh, summer going to be like, Rich, in terms of preparation for the new season, you know, arranging pre-season friendlies, etc.? Yes. Um, so the, the, the preparation for the new season starts about November time last year. So... Um, we have all of that preparation uh, starting from there. We know what sort of squad we're going to be have. We have uh, trials in February, lining them up for next year. We contact the, the pro academies. We're in constant contact. We bring those in uh, and we brought a few in um, at the end of March, uh, six, seven of those in. So we're always building up to next season that by the time you get to uh, mid-May, you kind of already know what your next season looks like you've already pretty much got 50, 75% of your friendlies organised, you know what you're doing for pre-season, you've got your coaches lined up, you're very much looking at your process of kit replenishment, finishes, and, and you're looking for your pre-season, you have it already planned and lined up. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're, if I'm absolutely honest, this isn't a close season for me. I'm almost like in mid-season. My close season is about November time when we're really motoring and I can spend the time now planning for the future season. just mentioned a couple of the um, under 21 players who stood out and obviously won individual awards this um, season. Could you tell us a bit more about them individually, uh, Mike Sakimba and Dan Bryan and that? 
what sort of players are they, especially for people who haven't actually seen them play, so they can get an idea of what sort of thing, what sort of players we've got coming through potentially. Uh, gosh, yes, you're going to put me on the spot, and I'm going to yeah. butcher them, and they're going to have a go at me afterwards. And the people I don't mention are going to have a go. Oh, wow! Um, yeah. That I, I will talk through uh, a few of them, um, but they all can do with a mention. They, I can talk you through all of them. They are a quality bunch uh, of players who are all at their own individual pathways within the team. So some are slightly older, some are slightly younger, some are going to go this pathway and that pathway. And so I do work with them all individually because they are individuals and they all have their own individual development and speed and pace. Um, so you mentioned uh, the defenders. Uh, so we have Dan there who won the, the players player. He's a, a an under 17, so he's a minus two Um He's a ball-playing centre-half, very intelligent. He learned very quickly. He didn't actually start uh, at the start of the season. There was quite a lot of coaching. Um, he was sub for the first four games. He was getting his game time and just developing him slowly. Um, and at one point, I had to remind him what the plan was. And, and since then, you know, mid of the season, he's been first name on the team sheet defensively-wise. He's really excelled. He's trained with the first team. He's very comfortable on the ball. He's very comfortable in the air. Um, sometimes you have to just take a step back and just go, yeah, yeah, he's only under 17. That's the reason why, you know, he still needs to develop some aspects on the unit work and, you know, the experience and the triggers, but he's got everything in the bag. So he's the, the ball playing kind of second role defender. We then have Josh Goen, who's joined us recently, who is very experienced in the, in the kind of men's world as well. He's a very combative physical, uh, defender will get him himself in the way and then we've just recently also uh, acquired Kai Kai Williams um, he is will be going towards the first team for the preseason uh, for Peaks as well unfortunately he's off to university as well but he is very comfortable on the ball very comfortable in the air he reads it so well um, it's a joy to watch him sometimes just clear up any danger uh, at the back and then moving into the midfield you mentioned Fraser. Fraser uh, is, uh, yes, an outstanding footballer. Um, he's comfortable on either foot, um, so he can he, he reads the game so well. He creates time and space for himself. He can deceive. He can beat players with either side. Um, so he's he's in the England futsal international team as well for the under 19s. So he's very much top uh, in possession player uh, and is an attacking flair player. Um, Jack Kimber, who got the fans most of the match, he's a, a real good, solid centre midfielder uh, as an eight, um, and really combative, very, very, you know, leads by example kind of thing. But he couldn't really score, and so this year I pushed him forward into the false nine, worked really, really hard with him into how to make those runs, what's the angle, how to finish. Um, and this season he's really excelled in that, and now he's added the attacking kind of uh, game to his, his his armory that now he can go back into the eight role knowing he's a, actually a, a goal scoring number eight. So this year he's got himself nine goals and three assists, whereas last year he didn't, I think he only got one goal. So he's really come on uh, fantastically well. And we also have Jordy, who's a defensive centre midfield. I call him my quarterback. Um, he reads the game really well. He also creates time for himself. 
uh, more with moving the ball quickly, but he's got a wonderful 40-yard ping on him. He can push the ball to wherever you want to, wherever the space is, and he can read that early as well. So Geordie is uh, our kind of quarterback. And then um, up front, um, you kind of have uh, Dylan on the left, who got the most goals. Uh, very quick, tenacious, uh, kind of a, a, a kind of a terrier going after the ball. The defenders hate him. He's very direct, very brave. Uh, and you've got Ben on the other side who will just take people around with his trickery. First touch is wonderful. Um, and you've got Nathan, who's, who's just joined us recently, who's got wonderful pace uh, and can beat a man standing start over 18 yards. So they're all fantastic. I'm sure I've, I've missed uh, some off and I'll get kicked and killed for that later. You mentioned, Richard, about um, you know conversations that you have with first team manager Andy Peets in terms of um, you know obviously player development up to the first team. Are they conversations that you have on on quite a regular basis? Yes, potentially not this season, uh, with the first team having been uh, cancelled from October. Um, but the twenty ones do train alongside the first team, uh, so they're on one half of the pitch. They steal a bit more than half. They're on one half of the pitch. We're on the other half of the pitch. And Neil Champelover or Champs um, is a, a big fan. He takes uh, one to six of the players each training session. They're up to the standard to really be involved and help his training session. And it gives them great exposure as well. So I'm really looking forward to building that even further this year and uh, seeing them really develop as they get to train with the first team more and more. It just helps each training session they do. So we do have that conversation. We've had conversations about what we're doing with the 21s uh, and those close to the first team this year with Peaksy uh, and Champs. So we'll see how that goes. I think just, you just touched on there. I think um, some training with the first team, that's one of the small changes obviously you've made this year to try and sort of improve that um, synergy between the first team and in the 21s and improve the pathway. I mean, one of the things that we looked at doing this year to you know, possibly improve that sort of progression into the first team. Yeah, absolutely. So that training... Uh, alongside the first team is a, a massive uh, kind of closing that gap. Uh, the guys get to see them each week uh, and one to six of them get to train them each week. It really does just close that gap and it just gives you that bridging and stepping stone between the two. So we, we it, it's uh, a fantastic setup. We were fortunate also during the COVID period to raise quite a lot of commercial sponsorship to really make sure we run very, very professionally. And it really has shown in the results, but also in the player development and the progress. So the, the people who have come to see it, Pixie's come along two, three times to the games, board members have. They've really been excited about the, the squad, but also enjoyed the games. So it's, uh, it's shown with the men's teams and how close we are now. We're pretty much operating at the, the UCL1 top end. Um, so we're looking forward to building on that and pushing that further. Do you think that you'll be producing players for the first team soon? And, and do you think that you need to be really to, to validate or justify the existence of the under-21s? Uh, oh, that's a difficult question, isn't it? Yes, uh, predominantly. Yes, I think we will be producing players. Um, we said earlier that we've enhanced the 21s this year, that we're operating towards the top end of uh, Step 6 UCL1. Um, and recently played Pinchbeck in, in step five. We have similar friendlies lined up. So yeah. this year, we're able to take the, the players not uh, offered contracts at professional academies 
uh, from Peterborough United, Leicester City, MK Dons, Coventry and Derby. So the standard is improving. So yes, we should be producing uh, players. Um, now, it, it is up to also Peaksy because he has the tough decision between getting results uh, as well. Um, so he's got difficult decisions to make and it might be that players go out to step five, step four for a season or two and then come into Diamonds and still be that Diamonds Academy product um, that we all want and love. Um, it may just take that pathway as well. But it could be that we produce a player like we have with Shane Maradoza going to Huddersfield Town uh, Professional Academy is going that way. But the more we have that that success of producing players to professional academies or outwards to first-team football means we can attract and show we have that pathway. It will then build this up and we then build to that five-year plan. Richard, there was an interview on um, AFCRD TV release with um, Andy Peaks um, and in it he touched on the... Um the fact that he might take some of the 21s onto some of the preseason games with him. How, how much are you looking forward to seeing some of those players involved in, in the, in the preseason? Yeah, very much so. Um, we're, we're, we're talking about that. We're, we're talking about making um, some of the games potentially a, a blend of the, the 21s, the fringe and the first, and maybe some of his 18s as well, which is great. Um, we've also got quite a few men's teams in our preseason as well. Uh, we've got four of them now as well, so it's uh, quite close in the, in kind of some of the the lower end of what uh, Pixie has to what Twenty Ones have got as well. So we uh, we're looking forward to it. We we train at the same venue for preseason as well. That's on purpose. We train at the same time. That's on purpose. We very much are trying to link the two together and make it as you know as close a step as we can, knowing that it is a big step between the two is the closer you can get it and the more exposure you can give them and the more experience you can give them, um, we're, we're going to make it and make it a success. Because it's going to benefit the club uh, massively with the, the new pathway and the football development executive and what we're looking to do over the next five years. What are the um, hopes and aims for the under-21s next season, Richard, and in the future as well, moving forward? Um... Well, the, the, the hopes and aims is that we're producing uh, quite a few players that are in and around the 21s. Um, and, you know, also, if there are players, you know, pushing on even further than that as well. Uh, you want to be involved in, in player development and players who are successful. Um, if we are able to push more players into the first team, and if there are players who can produce and, and produce further than that, then that builds the brand that the Diamonds have a pathway for the top talent in the area, in which case people will be attracted to the, the professional setup we have that we can successfully develop players. So I'd like to consider myself a bit of a, um, a know-it-all when it comes to Diamonds, if you like. I think there's probably not a lot that I, that I don't know, but to be perfectly honest with you, I know very little about the under-21s. I'm not sure I could ever tell you, uh, I could tell you any names of the players that, that have played for them, I feel like I don't hear too much about them. Why do you think that is? And do you think that more could be done to promote the team? Yeah, I, I, I think that's a, a really good question. And I think you're absolutely right. We're trying to do more uh, on the promotion side. We, we've done quite a lot on the commercial side. We have the Twitter account and we have the pictures on there and we have the team sheets and we try to give that visibility. Um, there is that opportunity to come along to Islip to see the game. 
I would strongly recommend it. It is actually a really good game of football and it's exciting. It's great to see that development. I think the main one of the main reasons why you haven't seen too much of them is because we actually share our ground with Russian Home United. And therefore, we are actually limited in what we can do at Hayden Road with our youth teams. And so the, the floodlit league, you can see down there and the FA Youth Cup has to be down there. So you can see those teams in visibility, whereas the 21s can't go down there because we've got Russian Home United first team on the alternate Saturdays. And I think you would know a lot more about them if we had our own ground. And that's the plan in you know, the five years time is you'll see a lot more visibility of it. Just want to reiterate that just what that point there um if anybody hasn't seen the Antoines, i would recommend going down and seeing them because i was i hadn't seen any sort of under 21s until this year and i was ple- i was very very surprised when I, in terms of the standard when i actually went down to actually see them and seeing them grow as a team so if you do get the opportunity at about half past 10 kick off um in the mornings on saturday and we're playing at home at um, hayden road you can do both matches back to back as it were um i would re- strongly recommend doing it and there's a good cafe there a good cup of tea and a biscuit. <laughs> Always a good thing as well. Recently, recently we've also um, announced our 2021 to 2022 under-19s and under-23s um, educational football scholarships in partnership with Moulton College. I just wondered if you could tell us a little more, a little bit more about kind of what these will entail and how listeners can find out more information about these. Yes, uh, that would be a perfect question for Tim Duddy who heads up the, the Moulton side. So he heads up the scholarship. Uh, he's a UA4A license. So we have um, further education under 19s at Moulton. Um, quite a few of our players, that now replaces the MAA scholarship we had. Few, quite a few of our players are now taking that route. Um, they're being very successful in their recruitment because of the, the Diamonds brand and the link with the club. Um, they've now expanded it to the HE side, uh, which is... Uh, under 23s from their point of view and then a, a midweek under 23s league so it, it adds to what we can offer from a, a scholarship point of view uh, and it blends in with what we can offer from the academy point of view and provide that pathway into the first team uh, via the 21s i think some of the um you just said on some of the scholarship stuff isn't that so the idea is to see that they can get they can also get that education the idea is then also we can bring players potentially back into the into the under-21 setup and the under-18s and then push on, obviously, to the first team. Yes, um, absolutely right. Uh, and we'll be issuing a, um, a pathway document that shows the different pathways um, between them because it can start to get confusing. Um, but it is supposed to be, uh, the whole point is blended, uh, the teams across it. The FA Youth Cup is going to be blended between the under-18 teams because it's an under-18 competition and get the best uh, under 18s we have um, and then you know feed players back into the 21s um, from the 23s or the 18s or the 19s is actually we get the best talent we have it doesn't particularly matter about the age it's about the best talent we have in the most competitive league we have which is the 21s at the moment and then produce them as close because they're training alongside twice a week with the first team is get them involved in and around the first team training each time which enhances their development and gives us the greatest chance of developing uh, local talent. I think it's just worth mentioning, actually, because we've kind of touched on it with um, when we referenced Tim, Tim Dudding with the scholarship and that is probably one of the biggest differences, things we've just recently set up, obviously, which you've helped to drive, 
is the um, Football Development Executive, which um, I think has now had its second meeting from memory. Do you want to tell the guys more about that? Yes. So uh, another aspect or another cap uh, as a board director is, is uh, helping the board uh, drive through uh, with David Taylor doing the five-year strategic development on the new home and, and how we're going to move this club forward over five years. And, and central to that is also the player side, how we're going to, you know, navigate that but also enhance that over the next five years and and blend it in so the the key basis behind the football development plan is when diamonds were in the ucl divisions we were the big fish and we could attract the best talent and we probably had one of the top budgets there and so we were able to really be kind of steamrolling in those divisions now we've been really successful we're no longer the big fish and we, we need to probably wait around for our new home to be then generating that income to be up there, is we need to now start to look at our academy. And we need to work out, can we squeeze the lemon, as I call it, and squeeze the pips as hard as we can and get the maximum amount we can from our local talent? Because we do have some wonderful local talent here. And quite a few players are at professional academies or on grassroots. You never know where you find them. But there are in this in this county some wonderful talent and we need to provide a platform and a pathway to attract that talent and so our aim is to be the best uh, academy outside of the professional academies that are around here so if they're not going to go to Northampton Town or Peterborough United or Leicester City they want to be thinking actually the next one's Rushton and Diamonds okay as, a, as our academy so that's what the plan is and the hope and there's a lot of detail behind that and producing that. And our first year, we've managed to work magnificently the, the enhancements we need to, which includes bringing Moulton on board, which includes looking at the facilities, looking at the team and the pathway and how we blend this all together uh, and produce this. So we have the foundations in place. Um, there's a lot to go uh, over a five-year plan. It will expand from its culture and we're not just looking at the academy we then look at the community side and the women's and girls and everything else but we're looking to them have a fantastic setup as we go to our new home and also how do we get the maximum out of our new home for our academy as well and so it's there just to try and excel and produce that and, and retain that local talent Richard you you touched on the academy as a whole, though. How important do you feel it is that, you know, we've got this wide range of, of teams available for players as we look to provide that pathway into first-team football? Yeah, I, I, I think it's uh, really important that we, we have the, the blend of teams available that suit the different pathways because everybody has their unique path. Everybody has their own career aspirations as well as work aspirations as well as university um, and others want to leave you know, school and get into work, and we give that option too. So it's about not limiting ourselves just because of what we decided our team should be. Um, and we give the option to retain and retract that talent, no matter what they decide to do, whether that's further education or higher education, whether that's sports-based at Moulton or actually not as academic at another education, or they want to go into work and they're working locally wherever they're going, is we can bring them all into the different teams and we can offer them that professional setup and we can progress the best talent forwards and upwards in, and stretch them at the best kind of 
um, competitions that actually make that stepping stone to the first team closer and closer. It seems like you believe that there's a there's a clear pathway in place now. Do you think that that's always been in place? Do you think there was a pathway last season for the under twenty ones to to get a look in in the first team? I think uh, it was it was very difficult. Um, this year we've made massive progress in the quality of the twenty ones, as shown with the football, but also the results as well as against. Um, the first teams we've played and the results we've got there, but as well as the player development and the players we have. Also training alongside the first team this year, um, champs and uh, Peaksy have been able to see firsthand and get them involved in the first team. They've actually been really surprised by them and actually said that they're, they're really holding their own um, and are really you know willing to take up to six of the players uh, each training session. And that will just build over time. It's never going to be a quick win. You're never going to just suddenly find Wayne Rooney hiding under the table somewhere. So it is a lot of development, but it will build. I think this year has been also particularly difficult because obviously the first team stopped at the end of October. So we have continued with our own pre-season friendlies and operating as best we can and getting 20 games in. We're setting ourselves up to help the first team in pre-season have a blended structure of games and I would be really looking to see what we can do next year. Yeah, if there's no more questions, I just want to um, thank you for your time, Richard. It's, it's greatly appreciated and it's been really insightful. Um, sounds like it's a very exciting time for the under-21s plus our range of academy sides as well. And I, for one, can't wait to see how it continues to, de to develop in time. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll just say take care um, and we look forward to seeing you and, and the under-21s playing again very soon. Thanks, Richard. Yeah, thanks very much. I would say let's do this again this time next year and we can review how it's gone. And I look forward to your challenging questions and we can actually see you all down there and we can see firsthand and have a really good discussion about how it's progressing. Really looking forward to it. Great work with the podcast, by the way. It's an excellent initiative. And I know lots of fans are really enjoying it. So well done, guys. Thanks, Richard. Really appreciate that.
Well, I really enjoyed that. I found it a truly insightful look at one of the teams uh, that some fans might not know too much about. Uh, you can find out more and get updates about the under-21s by following them on Twitter, at AFCRD21. Um, and make sure to check out one of their upcoming games as well. They play their home matches, uh, as Richard said, at Islip Playing Fields, which is NN143LH. I hope all you listeners out there enjoy this episode as well. Make sure to uh, keep up to date with the podcast by following us on Twitter at Russian and Ranting and on Instagram at Russian and Ranting Podcast. All of our previous six episodes, including, as Alex mentioned earlier, our fascinating chat with Lee Chaplin, Canon Roger Knight about his many Diamonds memories and the help and support available at the club. Um, there, that's on there and all the previous episodes as well. So make sure to check those out when you get a chance. I'd like to thank you, Joseph, Scott and Alex, um, and to all of you out there for listening into this episode. Take care, stay safe, and we'll see you soon for the next podcast.